So they park themselves up on their bums and then you know what they do? They proceed to ask questions. They proceed oh, to ask questions and it's gone to extra time and now we're into penalties. So so, so what happens now, says Christine? No, 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 Christine. No, I'll tell you what happens now. <laughs> Our friendship ends is what happens now. You need to shush. From Apple News and Metal Dark Media, I'm Brendan Hunt. And I'm Rebecca Lowe and this is After the Whistle. Rebecca, how are you? In Hawaii. How are you? Yeah, that's right. So you're very, very well. (laughs) Mahalo. Aloha. We are now uh, a mere two days away from uh, the beginning of the tournament, three days away from the teams uh, that you and I care about. And um, even though there's still awful things coming out of Qatar that make one conflicted, I must admit that as the momentum grows closer, my anticipation and eagerness swells reciprocally. I think it's always the way. I've heard many journalists, many fans saying, you know, this feels a bit flat. It's at the wrong time of the year. It's not in the right place where it should be. We don't like all of the stories, of course, on board with all of that. But unfortunately, we're human. And when you get closer to the world's greatest sports moment, you get, you just get taken away into it. And I, you sort of are resisting it, aren't you, with this particular situation. Um, But the more the build-up is crossing every screen that I look at, the more I absolutely can't wait. Now, a warning now for listeners, we, or at least I, will be using adult language in this show. So if you have some non-adults nearby, well, it's time that they grew up, don't you think? Uh, meanwhile, Rebecca will be using cute little British substitutes for curse words uh, because she grew up inside a teapot with a floating nanny. Let us begin! So, um, uh, people who've been listening to our show from the beginning, meaning oh, since uh, ages the ago. previous half hour, we have given a pretty pretty uh, thorough, if not exhausted, rundown on our feelings about the U.S. and England. So, let's get to at least some of the other things happening in the other teams. Let's save our, uh, our, our predicted winners for last. Okay. But, uh, folks, if you're looking for a, a dark horse, mm. not a team that has won it before or who we think might pull a surprise... Uh, Rebecca, you have? Okay, so I'm just going to qualify that. Not pull a surprise as in win the whole thing, but pull a surprise as in go further than everyone thinks. I'm going to go Serbia, okay? Hear me out. So they topped Group A when they were qualifying, and that group had Portugal in it. That takes some doing, considering we all know who's in the Portugal squad and team. They're now in Group G with Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon. They can definitely get out of that group. I would have thought second to Brazil, but Switzerland and Cameroon for them should be home runs. Um, In terms of stars in their team, Alexander Mitrovic is their all-time top goal scorer, 50 goals and 76 games for his country. So he is the best the country's ever seen. If you watch the Premier League, you will know all about Mitrovic up front for Fulham. He is like a classic number nine, pulls off at the back post, heads home the winner in the 92nd minute. A brilliant attitude, a complete goal machine at most levels of football. So Alexander Mitrovic will lead the line, but they've also got the former Southampton star, Dusan Tadic, who tends to play in the hole. He plays in that number 10 role just behind the strikers. He can create something out of nothing. Uh, You've got Dusan Vlahovic or Vlahovic or Vlahovic or I don't know. I'm going to learn how to say that name. (laughs) Vlahovic. 
Vlahovic. Either way, he's really good as well. 22 years old from Juventus. And you've got Milinkovic Savic. He's a brilliant player too. Their manager is a Serbian football legend um, and he loves attacking football. They have the attackers to go far. So they'll get out of the group, second of the group. I think they'll get out of the last 16. They'll get to the quarterfinals. That's probably when it'll stop, but that will be big. So Serbia are my pick. Brendan, who have you got? Um, I, I go, uh, I'm going to go Denmark. Um, okay. I think Denmark is kind of always going to be frisky, but you know, the, the Christian Eriksen story where he, you know, had that heart attack in his first game at the Euros last year and then wonderfully, uh, uh survived, uh, due to the incredible care of the emergency personnel at the stadium, his story sort of obscured the fact like Denmark made the semis, like Denmark yeah. were, were very good. And now they have Christian Eriksen. Um, and I don't know that there's going to be a team in this whole tournament who are as unified uh, as Denmark. They've had consistency. You know, they've had the same coach for a while. So I think they have a solid chance to make a run. And for them, too, maybe it's only the semis. But but that would be pretty damn impressive for a country so small. And they have history in terms of yeah. surprising everyone. Was it 92? They won the Euros in 1992. And that was kind of it was indeed. the most out of left field winner until Greece of 2004. So yeah. it happens. It it doesn't happen very often. And it doesn't usually happen at the World Cup. It does tend to happen at a, a smaller tournament. But it, it does happen. You know, somebody will be surprised. Okay, what about um, underperformers, Brendan? Who, which team do you think won't do as well as they should? Uh, this is one place where I think we agree uh, with each other. So we'll get those boring agreements out of the way and then get back to the hot takes. But uh, I just, my spidey sense is tingling about France. Oh, me too. Is that because of the I injuries? It's not even entirely because of the injuries. It's a little bit because of Mbappe's general sort of simmering unhappiness. Mm. And it's also rather unfairly, you know, folks, uh, if, if, you, if you watch this, tournament for a while you you find that france has a certain circadian rhythm of um collapsing for no reason whatsoever completely off the pitch and particularly the 2010 team when patrice evra like led a strike um Mm. in 2002 after winning in 98 uh zidane got hurt and they should have been just fine no lost to senegal in the first game um and and didn't even make it out of the group stage in you know, 2006, they made the final. In 2010, they were terrible. So 2018, they they won again. It just feels like this is this is when they're supposed to fall apart, and that's not very scientific. But I'm sticking with it. It's your hunch, and also winning back to back World Cups very very difficult. Performing excellently at back to back World Cups very very difficult. So, and I do think Angelo Kante is a big a big miss. Pogba. Don't know yep. how much of a big miss he really is. Um, but they have a whole host of injuries even since landing in Qatar. So I'm with you. I think you always think, as an Englishwoman, I always think France are going to beat England. They're going to be better than England. And so, you know, I'm not going to say I take um, a lot of joy from the thought of them collapsing, but a little amount of joy. A little <laughs> amount of joy I will take from the French collapsing. Um, okay, who will be fun to watch, do you think? I mean, there's a few possibilities here, mm. um, but I'm going to go with South Korea. Um, for no more reason than they are legitimately always fun to watch. And they have been since before they were good. Um, like in 1994, for example, they were supposed to be, you know, punching bags, tomato cans, if you will. But um, they were down 2 nothing against Spain, um, who, of course, are Spain. Um, and they came back to draw with two goals in the last five minutes. Like in 94, I didn't concentrate on that World Cup for some reason. Oh, oh that was right. England didn't, didn't, didn't make it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That tracks. Um, <laughs> well... They, I mean, I wasn't following particularly either, but I've since learned of like these things that they've done. And 
in 2002 when they made the semis, then it was like, okay, yeah. all bets are off. From now on, everyone has to take South Korea seriously. But, you know, every every tournament, they are they are the hardest working team in show business. And, um, and you know, of course, nowadays they also have Sun, who scored at least two goals in the last World Cup. And here he's, here he's coming in 30 years old wearing a mask. I think he will look forward to being unleashed. Well, I, for just quickly on Son, I know being an Arsenal fan, it's really hard for you to love Son. Really, really hard. But I would say, out of all the footballers I've ever met... I don't love Son. It's fine. <laughs> no, it's not. Nice guy. No, no. Whatever. But you're struggling. Love. Don't put words in my mouth. You're struggling. Uh, he is the <laughs> loveliest... I mean, I just love him. We did a game pitch side at Villa, Villa Spurs last season, and Sonny came, had scored a hat-trick, I think, and he'd come out and spoke to us afterwards. And honestly, he's just... I just can't help but love the guy. I just want to put him in my pocket absolutely love young min son uh hopefully he'll be his face will be okay and he can he can go and do his bit for me i think uruguay i just think sure. I, I had a look through their squad a, a lot of their defenders midfielders meh, but a bit of darwin nunez who headbutts a bit of suarez who bites a bit of edison cavani <laughs> who is really old but is edison cavani I'm. I'm want to. I want to watch those three. I want to see Uruguay, who always are fairly strong. I think they're going to be fun to watch. So that's my fun to watch. I want to see all three of them at some point in games. I'm sure they won't all all no. start, but like late when they're desperate yeah. and it's the three of them. Yeah, that's going to be that's and, going to be unmissable. And also, Suarez has forever lived in that Messi Ronaldo and then Suarez. You know, well certainly ten years ago yeah. it was Messi Ronaldo and then Suarez. I I want. I feel like he's going to want to because it'll be his last World Cup too. I feel like he's going to want to do something to just take that attention away once and for all from Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, and give another, you know, World Cup memory, primary World Cup memory that doesn't involve him <laughs> biting Giorgio Cellini. Um, um, give me one uh, breakout player that people might not know about that will be okay. um, someone who will burst into the international spotlight in the way that only the World Cup can provide. Okay, so I, this is hard because I think, does it mean young? Not necessarily. So I've gone for a player who isn't young. He's 25. He's Japanese. Japan aren't going to do very well. But I think within their three group games, Kaioru Mitoma, remember the name. He plays for Brighton. He's only played nine games for Brighton, but he scored five goals in nine games for Japan. I don't know where he's been, really, because he's 25. But when he's come on, and usually he comes on, he's just started to get a, a starting berth under Roberto De Zerbi in the Premier League. Before that, under Graham Potter, he was coming on as a substitute. And I tell you, I think I said it on air, he can do a bit. This bloke can do a bit. So I'm going to say whether he's the breakout star, you know, unlikely, but a star that no one's even thought about, I'm going to go Kaoru Matoma. You? Uh, bigger program, younger player, and some people have heard of him who follow European football closely, but he's not an international star yet, and that's Jamal Muziala um, of Germany and Bayern Munich. I went to that last England-Germany uh, Nations League game where Germany got up 2 nothing, and then England roared back only to vomit an equalizer. <laughs> and Muziala was the player of the match. I mean, he was, he was fantastic. And when you are 18 years old and you are starting for Germany, you are probably hot stuff. Yeah. And he is. And he's also one of those players who not only is, is, is great when he's out there, but he gets raved about by you know, his coaches and teammates. Um, and he was England eligible, I guess, and he oh, slipped through the cracks. don't, don't. <laughs> so many. the laments there oh, no. are considerable. So I will go with Jamal Muziala. And okay then, who do you have to win the whole Magilla? People go to Vegas with the Rebecca Lowe, the Relo, touch of gold. Who's winning the whole thing? When I give you this list, it's very difficult, I think, 
to then say they won't win, right? And this is, by the way, is a small list of where I could have gone with this. You know where I'm going with this. Jesus, Martinelli, Neymar, Richarlison, Rafinha, Vinicius Jr., Anthony, Casemiro, Paqueta, Alisson, Edison. I mean, that is a, just a snapshot of Brazil. I love the yeah, way... it's going to be great if they can get two goalies in there. I mean, that, <laughs> that's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, well, one of them's going to... Well, to be fair, one of them could actually start as a number six, and you know that. <laughs> that's true. Um, or a fullback and just ping those balls. Um, but, I, I mean, just the fact they have Edison and Alisson to choose from is annoying as hell. Um, so for me, not since 2002, I went to Rio um, for the Olympics. So I got I got a little taster of, of that country and its love for sport and its love for football more than anything in the world. And I feel 20 years on, it the time has come again uh, for Brazil. I, conversely, am going with their arch rivals, Argentina, which I guess makes us arch rivals. Really, which like is a, a bad way to start uh, the relationship, I'm but okay with it, that. it's where we are. Um, I think that Lionel Messi finally winning the Copa America, which for those who don't know is the uh, South American Continental Tournament, um, and he had been pilloried for years now. It's like, oh, you're doing oh so good at Barcelona, uh, but you have not won anything uh, for Argentina. And he finally has won one, and I think that's going to be a real load off for him. And I think he's going to play free as hell. He's also in great form for PSG right now. I think Argentina <laughs> runs it, and that's what I think. A moment um, to to really cement his his claim to being the best player of all time. Hang on, I got to get a um, a stopwatch up for this next feature. Um, one of your other loves in amongst Arsenal and Team USA, Josh Sargent, Jedi, is. <laughs> Holland, right? Or I say Holland because I'm from the 90s, but you have to say the Netherlands now. Um, I still what... call it Holland. There's not a Dutch person in the world to be mad if you do. Okay. All go right, ahead. Well, that's Keep good. calling it Holland. Okay. Before we go to D- the Dutch in 60, just ex- can you... Actually, no. Let's make that the topic of the first Dutch in 60. So in the next... Because okay. I don't want to hear more than 60 seconds, Brendan. I'll be honest. I've got me squash and I will drink it during the next 60. When you tell the viewers or even the listeners... <laughs> okay. Um, Why you love the Dutch in 60. In three, two, one, and go, please. Okay, so yeah, so I used to live in Holland. I lived there for five years, and I wasn't into football at all, and then I really got into football. And I'll tell you, people, if you're not into football at all, and you're like, you need a, like, a neutral team to like, get into, Holland is a really great choice. They've been to the World Cup final the most times, the people who haven't won three times they lost. Heartbreaking, every single time. And the country deserves it. They've been so good for football in every way. They, 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 in fact, the great teams of today in the offense and the, and the defense they play stems from the great Holland teams of the 70s. I'm not going to get too bogged down on that. But they're also, they wear orange. They wear orange. In a macho world, they wear orange. It's great. They're distinct. They're fun. And the whole, the whole Dutch philosophy is to be very offensive and attacking, so they play very entertaining soccer. And they're always going to be doing that. That's their whole raison d'etre. They're like the Showtime Lakers, but without winning so many trophies. And their manager is, uh, if you'll pardon uh, my, uh, my French, is the crustiest old fuck. And like he used to be insufferable, but now he's so old and recovering from cancer that it's like, you got to give it to him. And he was famously inflexible. It was like, 4-3-3, 4-3-3, that's what we do. We're the Dutch. But now... He's playing with five at the back. Can you believe it? Oh, Lou Carl. Okay. Okay. You're you. Okay, okay, 60. Done. Okay. okay. All right. Mine went off too. That's fine. I mean, That's fine. I'm going to give you Louis van Gaal because the guy is a crusty old chap, uh, to use my <laughs> phrase. Uh, but I kind of love him. I love him that he doesn't, he, you know what? He just doesn't care anymore. He absolutely he doesn't, care, doesn't care. So fair enough. And, and they always have good good players. I, I, 
you know, I'm going to give you 60 seconds every episode um, and that's Thank all you're you. going to get. Okay. Because Thank I do you. I have a, a struggle with the two team, the two team pronged approach. Um, okay. okay. We can get into that some other time. Yeah. Don't be jealous though. It, 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 it just it doesn't become you. It, it just means so that So messy. <laughs> go on. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. So messy. Uh, so it is of note, dear listeners, that um, we have lived in the era uh, for the last 15 years at least, um, for one of them even longer, of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, they won uh, every single World Player of the Year award for whatever, 12 years straight. Um, they've won each multiple Champions Leagues, Ronaldo with different teams. Uh, and this will be, for the both of them, their final World Cup, their final chance to win one. And and where that's interesting to me is because I think in, in olden times, if you're if you were claiming to be one of the greatest of all time, you had to have won the World Cup, which is why for decades the debate has been Pele, Maradona, and no one else. Mm. Um, and I don't know that that's true anymore because now the Champions League exists, and the Champions League is an incredible, concentrated, you know, competition of all the best players and all the most money in the world playing a very vigorously fought tournament, much more than the, you know the the barnstorming that Pele used to do. Um, and different than than the uh, European tournaments that uh, that Maradona played, so there's an argument that Messi and Ronaldo have already established themselves as the best two players of all time. But a way to make that argument moot would be for one of them to win the World Cup, and only one of them can do it, if any. So I'm fascinated by it. I clearly am rooting for Messi in this, as I have stated. What's your What's your two cents, there, lady? Sorry, tuppence. What's your tuppence? <laughs> well. What I love about the whole Messi-Ronaldo situation is just how different they are. I mean, they're polar opposites, Brendan. I mean, Leo Messi is class personified on the field, quiet as a mouse on it, a complete genius with a ball at his feet, but like a little bit dull. I mean, dare I say it, a little bit dull outside of genius, right? What I love about a human is the maverick side, right? So that's why I love Gaza. This is why Paul Gascoigne, who played for England in the 90s, um, was probably, is probably the best footballer the country has ever produced. But he was a maverick. He was naughty. I mean, the stories you hear about him stealing the team bus, you know, at training and driving the team around just for a laugh. And I mean, that's just like one of a million stories you could come up with Gaza, right? Now, he, he balanced that, though, with a very famous sentimental moment where he, to make a long story short, wept mm. for England at a time when English athletes just could not emotions ever he openly wept when he was going to miss the final if they won which i think papered over the cracks of many sins for a very long time which allowed him to be as maverick as he was ronaldo as far as we know mm. has never shown any kind of human emotion in that regard no they're different kind On of the maver- pitch. Y- y- correct they're different kind of mavericks and i think when you look at ronaldo don't get me wrong i have a, a major whew, be in my bonnet about Ronaldo because in 2006 at the World Cup where I was convinced by the way that we were going to win it shock always am uh, Wayne Rooney as well was at the peak people listening may re- may not remember in 2006 it was England-Portugal in the quarterfinals and Rooney by accident according to his book left a foot on Ricardo Carvalho and the referee anywhere in particular on Ricardo Carvalho <laughs> possibly groin area America? can't actually remember possibly groin oh mm, um, mm. that must not have been a clear it, angle it very 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 accidental that you know Rooney would never do such a thing and the referee comes over and Ronaldo and they were teammates at Manchester United Rooney Ronaldo were teammates and Ronaldo started doing that thing that you can't see I'm doing because it's a podcast but brandishing the yellow card or the red card that the kind imaginary of imaginary card yeah doing the imaginary card that but it's one of those things that happens in football players do do it but it's also universally 
not liked, that you should not be brandishing imaginary cards at the ref. Not only did he brandish imaginary card, which the referee then pulled out his red card, sent Rooney off. So England's hope of winning the World Cup went down the drain. But then, and like well done to the match director on the day, the, the shot of Ronaldo looking at, we're not quite sure who, we think maybe the Portugal bench, winking like he'd done it on purpose, which obviously he had wound Rooney up because Rooney was very wound upable and always has been. He did he did him, he did him. It, it, was, it was genius from Ronaldo. I've rarely felt such rage, not going to lie, rarely felt mm-hmm. such rage against the man. But trying to move on from that, it was 2006, still trying to move on from that. Um, when it comes to Ronaldo, for me, we cannot talk about him going into this World Cup without talking about the Piers Morgan interview. And it's incredibly polarizing. It's it, We could go on and on about it. For me, this interview is going to affect this World Cup because it's already affecting him with his teammates. You've seen the shots of Bruno Fernandes and the frosty nature between them and their United teammates and other, I think Cancelo as well. There was a shot from Man City, Cancelo, um, not really wanting to talk to Ronaldo. Ronaldo's gone and done this big Piers Morgan interview in which he's aired all of his grievances about Manchester United, saying, I've got no respect for the manager. And essentially the club is not what it was and is in a terrible situation. They've disrespected me and it's gone on and on and on. That interview for me is a reflection of the club since Sir Alex Ferguson left. The club is in a mess and was in a mess before Ronaldo even came back. I'm not excusing Ronaldo because what he did, I don't like that interview, Um, but it's gold dust. It's massive and it's going to affect this World Cup. And I think Ronaldo... And it's in the timing. It's not even in the material of it so much, which he's got mostly valid points, but like to make make such a big thing about you right before the World Cup is just... What a, what a but we're not we're not surprised, are we? I mean, this is Cristiano Ronaldo, no. which is only about Cristiano Ronaldo. And you Ronaldo. love it because he's a maverick. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know what? Dull Messi you know over what? there just being friends and, you know, meeting his you know fellow but... players' families, making sure that they got <laughs> enough food and everything. <laughs> yeah, Getting their massages. Rescuing dogs. Great. Well done. No, in this world that we live in, without the Ronaldos of this world, life would be dull. It gives us stuff to talk about. It gives us a villain. So for me, not that I want to see him lift the World Cup, but his journey is going to be extra eyeballs because of this interview. Whereas Messi, I mean, honestly, he's a legend, but I don't know, like, really? (laughs) He doesn't, he, he, it's not his job to not be dull. I know. He's great. I know. His job is to be great and he's accomplishing that job. What do you think about the Ronaldo interview? Um, Other than I think the it was selfish and uh, and preening, and I think he's um, he's he's old and doesn't realize it yet. And the stats are damning for how Manchester United does with and without him. And I think he finally said, "Well, if they're not going to release me, you know, or transfer me in the way I want them to, I guess I have to start a dumpster fire." And that is what he has done, and it's going to work. But the fact that he has had to sink this low is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it a legacy tarnisher? Well, I, 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 is it a legacy tarnisher? That is obviously a whole other debate and it'll be interesting to see if he gets, they get far in the World Cup what the reaction to that is. I just think that Manchester United have just made such a mess of it by not allowing him to go in the summer when we all, literally every single person on this planet was like, it's time to go. He should never have gone back. It is now time to go. Like in any way, wherever you want to go, and he had offers if we're supposed to believe him and United didn't let him go that was an error from United's point of view anyway we can't we won't go down that road anymore but basically bottom line is Messi will be interesting on the field Ronaldo will be interesting off fair? very okay very fair and I hope I hope Messi wins folks some of you are going to be going to a World Cup party for the first time and watching soccer in an intense environment for the first time and You might not know that there are certain unspoken protocols 
certain uh, unspoken rules of engagement, and uh, no one says them to you. They just resent you when you break those rules. So we're going to talk you through how to behave at a World Cup party. And to start, we will have a uh, real-life example from an absolute nightmare of a situation that happened to Rebecca. And if I may set the scene, uh, from last year's European Championships final, which I find to be a, a, a nightmare made flesh. Uh, dear listeners, um, uh, Rebecca, of course, massive fan of England. Imagine your team finally makes it to, we'll call it the Super Bowl. Because um, the European Championships, you're like, well, that's not the World Cup. It's, it's damn near the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And they make the final. It's at home. It's at Wembley. It is something that's never happened in Rebecca's lifetime. She's sitting in the backyard. Why is she watching outside in the backyard? It's not about Rebecca's choices right now, people. Don't worry about that. And and with people who are just filled with passion for England and what should happen? I reckon it was about 35 minutes into the first half and I hear the back gate close and I'm like, I mean, who, who the hell is turning up at my house in the middle of the Euro- European Championship final? It's Christine and Jared from up the bloody road, right? <laughs> who are great friends. I mean, I love Christine and Jared. You know, we'll do we'll do COVID bubble oh. parties. Jared helped with the internet. Thanks, Jared. But we don't need Christine and Jared turning up in the middle of England and Italy. Unless they're massive football fans. They're frigging not, okay? In they come. Oh, hi, guys. We could hear the commotion, because there's like 10 of us. Um, we just thought we'd come and see what it's all about. Oh, oh, that phrase. We thought we'd come and see what it's all about. It, that insinuates, please explain to us what you're watching. I haven't time. I haven't got time for explanation. So they park themselves up on their bums, get themselves a hot dog, and then you know what they do? They proceed to ask questions. They proceed oh, to ask questions and it's gone to extra time and now we're into penalties. So, so, so what happens now, says Christine? No, 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 Christine. No, I'll tell you what happens now. <laughs> Our friendship ends is what happens now. You need to shush. The moral of the story is lock your back gate, all right? If you're having a party, don't let Christine and Jared in. It's a freaking nightmare. Uh, so, I mean, literally for the rest of your life when you recall that trauma, yeah. Christine and Jared will be central to this lifelong scar. And listeners, you don't want to be that person. So here are three handy rules about how to behave at a World Cup party. And there, don't be like, oh, I'll just behave that way at, at a final. No, 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 no. Get in practice. Start at the beginning. You never know the passion level uh, until you know for sure. So first things first, um, uh, don't be late. Mm. Don't be late. If you're late, just don't go. If you're going to be late, don't go. If you do still have to go and you are late, do not say hello. Just slide into the room, maybe get eye contact with your host and nod and do not speak until you have received some kind of sign that people are speaking now and it's that kind of party. In short, read the room. In fact, all these rules you're about to hear can be summarized under read the room. Christine and Jared didn't read the room. No, there was no, there was no room reading. And also when the whistle goes to, to mark the beginning of a game, whether it's Team USA for you, England for me, like... It's, it becomes like a cauldron of fire in your body, right? At the World Cup or yeah. the Euros. So yeah. if you're late, it's offensive. It's bad. Right? Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. All right. So thing two. Now, you might you might uh, become a soccer with a few like, oh, boy, there's rules I don't understand. And there's funny things to say because sometimes they fall down, but they barely got touched. And uh, boy, VAR takes a long time. Yeah. Um, while the ball is in play, mm-hmm. do not ask about rules. And... Um, all your jokes you have about soccer, uh, you yes, you very possibly do have 
anti-soccer material that none of us have heard before. However, you probably don't. So uh, on both of these things, just don't. If you, if you wanted to ask about rules, the time was before the World Cup. And if you're desperate to ask about rules, then wait until like, there's a substitution, or wait, there's been a foul, there's been a halftime, not while the ball is in play. The other thing to say about that is if you've managed to get to adulthood and you don't know the rules of football, <laughs> it's offensive to everybody in the room, right? It's the easy... We're not talking NFL where nobody friggin' knows what the hell's going on. They're blowing the whistle every two minutes. It's the no, easiest no. friggin' sport Pretty in the to world find. to understand. Yeah. So you know what? Pick it up, all right? Just pick it up. So to review, read the room, enter and depart discreetly, and, and for the love of God, uh, no questions and no bits while the ball is in play. These are the main things, yeah? Uh, and um, by the way, next week, uh, we'll have Christian and Jared on the show <laughs> uh, to talk us through England, USA. All right, let's get to our uh, rappy uppy here. Um, uh, Rebecca, any any uh, any last things? We're getting close. We're two days away. I mean, even just these conversations make me even more excited. But any any final thoughts before we send people into their weekend to start watching this mighty mighty event? Well, you know, I have a million thoughts about football, which uh, you know will take the rest of the day, and we only have a short podcast. So I'm going to focus my thoughts on really what I would be doing if I was out there in Qatar, which would be working, right? As a journalist, a reporter, a host, I'd be out there trying to film, trying to do things in this host country. The people who saw the Danish TV reporter forced off air um, will understand Insane. what I'm saying. It was a Danish television reporter standing on the side of a road trying to do a report live into Danish television and a golf buggy with Qatari officials is the only way I can describe them. It's the only way the news outlets have been describing them. Got off the buggy and essentially put a cloth in front of his camera and told him he couldn't film there. He has accreditation, which he showed them. He is standing on the side of a road. You can film, by the way, anywhere on the side of a road. He actually said to them in English, which I love him for, he said... You all invited the world here and now you're telling me I can't film. My concern, Brendan, is that whilst I want every story to be about the football, of course I do, and I want the football to be brilliant and tons of things for us to talk about, I also, whilst it's... it gets me quite angry because whilst I don't want stories like this Danish television reporter essentially being censored, I also do want them and I want them to carry on throughout the tournament because it will allow us to make sure that these things continue to get airtime. Um, But the very fact that they're happening makes me angry. So I'm kind of pulled in two different directions here. My concern is, as we head into the tournament, that these things are going to happen a lot, whether it's journalists or other such situations going on in Qatar that we know have been going on and continue to go on are going to come to the surface. And it's good in one way because it's awareness and another way it's, it's bad. So that's kind of my final thought going into this. And it also suggests a reactionary security force, which is not a good thing to mix in with football fans. Well, my two cents here real quick. All right. So um, uh, one thing we lack in the in the United States, besides uh, major international trophies, um, is a proper nickname. And I would like to talk about that. England, the three lions. Cameroon, the indomitable lions. Scotland, the tartan army. Even Canada, the maple leaves. Mexico, El Tree. We don't really have one. Here's my pitch, and here's what we're going to do in this podcast, even if it doesn't go any further than this, uh, with your permission. Um, So we are the only country where um, you say national football team and people first have to go like, oh, well, which one are you talking about, the women or the men? Yeah. Um, So let's let's shorten that up. Um, Now, let's just call – we don't want to call them the men because that's like 
you know, macho and weird. We don't call them the boys because that's infantilizing. And also there's already a, f- a hilarious TV show called The Boys. Uh, that is really great. And it's a comic first. Uh, so my two cents, we call them the guys. Now, full disclosure, I've had like a hashtag about this for a while. So like okay. I'm really using my platform for uh, potentially evil. Um, but my heart is in this. Yeah. They are the guys. Um, you know, you want to hang out with the guys. These are the guys. Oh. There are guys. I love it. Our guys. I love it. Brent, I love it. You know, I love it. It's so American. You're so on brand. I mean, honestly, if you speak to anyone in England, they they know that that's where the guys comes from. It's like, oh my God, you guys. Like, it's so you guys. <laughs> that's how <Hold> Americans. <laughs> now, now it sounds bad. Talk about <laughs> themselves. You got, yeah. Got the guy, just the guys, just hanging out. The guys, all yeah. I'm with you on that. I mean, it doesn't have a lot of gravitas. I'm gonna. I, I'm not sure it's got no, a huge amount of gravitas. Well, no. You know, they got the three lions. And you got the guys, but I'm okay with it, and I'm gonna go with it. And I think moving on forward from this moment on, it's it's England against the guys. Folks, if you are loving the show, or even if you're just, like, you know, morbidly curious, uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and be sure to rate and review us. It really helps other people find the show. And if you want round-the-clock World Cup news, live scores, standings, follow along on the Apple News app in my sports where available. We will be back with more World Cup coverage right here in your podcast feed on Monday after the U.S.-Wales game in the first match of the group stage. Can't wait. Oh, God. Also, after England have played Iran, which I'm already nervous about. Okay, I'll speak to you then. should be. 